Or sometimes it's almost like you don't need to preach because the Word of God itself is so good, right? I mean, how many of you were blessed just listening to that passage? Amen? Amen. All right, so we're on the eve of something truly amazing. Uh, I believe that God's about to answer a lot of prayers, and God's going to do something mighty. And so it's an exciting night because exactly one week from now, it'll be Brother Michael standing upon the podium preaching. And so to me, that's exciting because God involved us in prayer to bring him here. And I love how God does that, right? He gets us involved so that we can rejoice all the more and to know that we were actually a part of the plan. And so that's besides the passage and, and the message. But still, praise God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, let's lift up a, a quick word of prayer. If you guys bow your heads with me. Uh, Father God, we just thank you so much that you are who you are. And we thank you, Father, that um, despite our weakness and despite our failures, God, you are faithful and you are unchanging and you are good. And so, Father, we pray from the beginning and to the end of this uh, worship uh, time together, Lord, that your name would be lifted up on high. And so, Father, we give you all the glory right now, and we just come against all the works of the devil. Uh, we bind his um, lies right now in the name of Jesus Christ, and we claim all his attacks null and void by the power of your blood. And so, Father, we just stand in victory right now, knowing that it is you that won the victory for us. And, Father, we just um, come together eagerly expecting, Lord Father God, your word to be spoken. In your Son's mighty and precious name, we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Uh, so my message tonight is called Worshiping Warriors. Worshiping Warriors. Amen. How many of you guys know who Israel Houghton is? Israel Houghton, yeah? Any Israel Houghton fans in the house? All right. Well, <laughs> he's one of my favorite worship leaders. And uh, last summer, he actually came out to Korea and had this huge concert. And a couple of church members, we all came together and we went. And we had like an amazing time. It was so, so good. Uh, but beside his, in, in, like he's, he's incredibly talented. He's like a Mariah Carey, but like male version. Like the way that he sings is, is just unreal, but... Anyway, <laughs> um, besides his insane amount of talent, uh, one of the reasons why I love him so much is because he has a beautiful testimony. And I don't know if you guys know about it, but I want to share quickly of how Israel Houghton was saved by God. Uh, his mother is actually a Caucasian woman, and his father is African-American. And during that time, uh, her family, the mother's family, was completely against the relationship. Uh, interracial dating was extremely taboo, and for some people it still is today. Uh, so when Israel Houghton's father um, left his mother while she was pregnant, um, she had nowhere to turn because her family had already rejected her, and they rejected the baby that was about to be born. And so she had a very tough decision. She was only a teenager, and uh, after you know, intense thinking and I'm sure many tears, she had decided to have an abortion. And so on the way to the clinic, I think she was walking out of the subway. Uh, I'm not sure if this story is exactly right, but it's the way I heard it. Um, she walked out of the subway and she was stopped by a random woman. And this woman ended up evangelizing to her and told her the gospel of Jesus Christ. Long story short, a couple of months later, Israel Houghton was born. And so now he's a two-time Grammy Award-winning, spirit-filled worship leader. 
And I believe that the enemy, although he sought to take out his life even before he was born, his plans did not succeed. And so there's one particular song that I love uh, that he sings, and it's called, uh, To Worship You, I Live. And I'm totally not going to sing it. But I'm going to read you the lyrics. It's very simple. It goes, Away, away from the noise, alone with you. Away, away to hear your voice and meet with you. Nothing else matters. My one desire is to worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Thank you, Hewan. And so it may seem like such a simple song, yet the idea of living to worship God is one that's extremely profound and life-changing. You know, to truly understand that nothing else matters other than worshiping God, it challenges the way that most of us live our lives. And just as Chris Tomlin put it, we were made to worship. And so I want to ask you guys a question tonight, and that is, are you making worship your first priority? Are you living to worship God? Or is worshiping God something that we just reserve for when we come to church? You see, when we worship God, we draw closer to God. When we seek His face in worship, we find Him. It's in worship where we find the God of comfort, the God of peace, and the God who takes away our burdens. Worship is not just limited to experiencing who God is, but it also unfolds God's will and His purposes. What I mean by that is worship is spiritual warfare. It isn't just a beautiful expression of love and faith towards our Heavenly Father, but the mere act of worship opposes the work of Satan, who desires and strives to bring worship upon himself. See, when we're worshiping God, we're proclaiming the Word of God. God is faithful. God's love is never-ending. He is almighty. He is worthy to be praised. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is Jehovah Rapha. He reigns on high. When we worship God, we're basically agreeing with the Word of God. And these words are so offensive to our enemy. It's offensive. You know, sometimes I hear stories of how Satan's plan to steal, uh, kill, and destroy, how it unfolds in people's lives, and it gets me really angry. I don't know if you guys ever felt that. But in our healing and deliverance ministry, we hear a lot of stories, a lot of stories where Satan comes to try to take and destroy someone's life when they were at their most vulnerable state. See, one thing that we need to understand about Satan is he doesn't play fair. And so I hear these stories of rape, and I hear these stories of molestation. I hear these stories of verbal, physical abuse, and I get so angry. Sometimes I'm even tempted to get hopeless. I'm tempted to be filled with despair. But I've learned that it's in those moments that I need to worship God. Because when Satan hears me worshiping God, it drives him crazy. God is above our deepest pains. He's above our most terrible sin. And when we believe that, Satan is defeated. See, the church in this hour, we have a heavy but beautiful call to become a mighty spiritual army. 
An army that marches under the banner of the Almighty God. Do you guys believe that? You know, this call isn't just limited to our church, brothers and sisters, but it belongs to the universal church, which we are a part of and which the head is Jesus Christ. And so we're called to spiritual warfare, and we're called to warfare against the principalities of darkness. For we are God's army, and we need to reclaim what Satan has taken. For the Son of God is coming back. Until that day comes, we are his representatives here on this earth. And so as a believer, we must all understand that war is at hand. You know, according to Ephesians chapter 6, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Yet some of you are wondering how living to worship God can mix with being a warrior of God. And so tonight I want to preach on how God created us not only to be a worshiper, but to be a worshiping warrior. So turn to your neighbor and say, I'm created to be a worshiping warrior. It's kind of hard to say. <laughs> you know, knowing our identity is crucial. Amen. Knowing our identity is crucial. Amen? Amen. You know, we're not only called to be sons of God, co-heirs with Christ, co-laborers with Christ, but we are called to be worshiping warriors. And so here we read in Second Chronicles that Jehoshaphat is in a pretty bad situation. Okay? He has the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Meunites. Where's Myungha? She did such a lovely job, didn't she? Um, coming against him in battle. And logically, that's three against one. And so that doesn't look good. Things are not looking too bright for our king Jehosh Jehoshaphat. But we look and read in verse 3 that Jehoshaphat was what? What does it say? Jehoshaphat was afraid. And I love how the Bible doesn't leave that out. He doesn't take that out and go straight to he sought the Lord. They put it in there purposely because it's okay to be scared sometimes, brothers and sisters. Our God is an understanding God. And he doesn't look down at us when we're afraid, but he sees our heart and he understands why we're afraid. Now, experiencing fear is not bad. It's what we do in response that can either allow fear to immobilize us or can allow God to set us free. And so Jehoshaphat, in his wisdom, new to the second part of that verse, set his face to seek the Lord. And by doing this, he begins to pray a prayer of faith, one that acknowledges who God is and what God has already done and what he believes God can do. And he ends this prayer with this humble yet faith-filling phrase, we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. When we worship God, our eyes are upon him. You know, there's this beautiful hymn, again, I won't sing, but it goes, 
Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full at his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. There's something powerful that happens when we begin to turn our eyes upon Jesus. See, we go from being self-focused to God-focused. And when that shift is made, our spirit man begins to rise up. See, we can go from being filled with despair and filled with hopelessness to all of a sudden being filled with joy and filled with faith. It's when our object of faith goes from a person who's weak, a person who fails many times, and a person who can barely get up in the morning, to turning to God who is strong, God who is faithful, and God who causes the sun to rise. See, there's a new perspective that's reached when we praise and when we worship. It's like having someone that looks down when they're walking all the time. They just look at their feet. And all of a sudden they stop and they look at their feet and it's having them look up. Now nothing changed. Their location is the same. But the world that they see is completely different. And so when we turn our focus to ourselves and when we turn our focus from our circumstances and when we worship God and fix our eyes upon Him, our perspective and our world, what we see is completely different. See, Satan and his dominion, they know all about the power of perspective. So one of the enemy's tactics to bring forth discouragement and even destruction is distraction. He knows that the moment we take our eyes off of God, he has our attention. We begin to focus on how bad the situation is, or how horrible the person is, or how hopeless it is. And our faith begins to crumble while our despair begins to creep in. He begins to tell us, put your trust in money. Put your trust in that friend. Put your trust in your family. And we begin to worship, not God, but the things of this world. See, perspective changes our outlook. And we need to be a warrior who has a God-focused perspective. A warrior who may not know always what to do, but always has their eyes on Jesus. Worship brings our attention back to God, who is unchanging. The God that is mighty to save the beginning and the end. We need to be warriors that have that right perspective. We need to be worshiping warriors. Amen? And so as we continue reading, we see that the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Jehaziel, and he begins to speak to all of Judah and Jerusalem. And so look with me to verses 15 to 18. And let's just read that together. You guys ready? All right, on the count of three. One, two, three. Do not be afraid. Oh, excuse me. I obviously didn't type it all out. Okay, and go. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness. What the?
stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Amen. <laughs> if we continue, it says, Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord, and the Levites of the Kohothites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Worship is an act of faith. Worship is an act of faith. See, at this point, nothing has changed in, the, in regards to the circumstances of Judah and King Jehoshaphat. The three armies are still headed towards them, and they're still planning to destroy them. Yet when the word of God is revealed, there is reason to worship. This act of worship is an act of faith. See, because it symbolizes how the people believe that God will deliver them based on his word alone. When people act in such faith, it allows for God to respond. The worship and praise that they give after hearing the word is almost like one large amen. Amen. And we need to be worshiping warriors who base their worship not on circumstances, but on the word of God. Worship isn't so much about what God has done, but it's more about who he is. And you see, God is unchanging, and therefore he is always worthy to be praised. See, it's essential to take note that King Jehoshaphat, he was the first to fall on his face. If you guys read the order, he's the first. As the ruler and king over the people, he took the lead role in worship. And in that way, leading worship is not for the praise leader. But anyone who is in spiritual authority should be a worship leader for those whom God has entrusted to them. That might be your small group leader. That might be even being the only believer in your family. You have spiritual authority. And in that way, it is your responsibility, your call, and your identity to lead others into the worship of God. See, we need to be Worshiping, claiming our trust in God and who He is. That's why it's so essential. We need to be warriors of faith and not circumstance. We need to be worshiping warriors. And so let's continue with verses 20 to 23. I'll read this. And if I skip sentences, sorry, because I typed it out. But And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord sent an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon, Moab, rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. 
and why they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. So we have such a crazy situation. Here are three different armies getting ready to attack one. And what ends up happening? They attack each other. And the only thing that's standing between what they were going to do, their original mission, and what had happened was there was worship. And so you see that worship to God is an offense to Satan. Worship to God is an offense to Satan. It's offensive, like defensive, offensive. It's offensive and it's offensive. Did I say that differently? Anyway, you guys get my point, right? In fact, the desire for worship is the cause for Satan's own fall. You know, the vehicle that had driven Lucifer, the archangel, to become Satan, the arch enemy, was called pride. It was pride welling up inside of him that made him believe that he could be like God. If you look with me to Isaiah 14, 12 to 14, I read the passage for you. It says, How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. You see, Satan desired worship. Satan desires worship. When we commit idolatry and we worship anything or anyone besides the Almighty God, we find ourselves fallen into the enemy's ploy. See, just in the same way that God is a jealous God, and he hates when we bring worship to anything or anyone else, Satan also hates when we give worship rightfully to our Heavenly Father. See, when we worship in spirit and in truth, the enemy is under our feet. When we worship God, Satan is defeated. Warren W. Wearsby puts it like this. He's the author of a textbook that many torch students are reading right now, which I stole from my husband and read. Um, and it goes, Our spiritual worship of God hinders Satan's work, defeats his plans, robs him of territory, and increases hatred of God and God's people. So long as any local church doesn't worship God in, in the spirit, Satan is happy to let them do anything they want to do. For he knows that all of man-made programs, no matter how seemingly successful, can never storm the gates of hell and defeat his demonic armies. Our spiritual worship of God hinders Satan's work. It defeats his plans. It robs him of territory and increases his hatred towards us and to our Heavenly Father. That's a powerful, powerful statement. That's a powerful statement. See, there is power in worship. Amen? There's power in worship. Amen? Um, before we went to India the first time, Pastor Sam was part of our group, and he taught us a song 
uh, that went like this time I will sing. Anyway, so he, he taught us this song in Hindi. And we're all like totally butchering it, right? Because it's really hard to speak Hindi properly. Um, but as we were practicing it, uh, some of us might have felt like it was kind of like a waste of time. And Pastor Sam, he just... He uh, tells us this story about the power behind this song, and it blew me away. Long story short, him and his brother were ministering to a group of people in India. And uh, before the message was even spoken, it was worship time, praise time. And so they sang this song, and everybody, you know, was lifting their hands, and they were singing it. And in the middle of the song, this one woman starts going crazy and she starts jumping up and down and she's like, hallelujah, hallelujah. And she runs to the front and she's trying to take the mic. Pastor's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, what's going on here? You know, calm down. You know, she's really excited. But she had no, he had no idea what was going on. And more people kept making all these shouts of praise and acclamation. And it wasn't until the end of the song they heard the, sister tes- the sister's testimony. And what had happened was, while worship was happening, she was completely healed of a sickness that she had for many years. See, it wasn't during ministering time when hands were being laid. It wasn't during the message when the word of God was being preached. But it was during the act of worship when God's presence completely took over and his kingdom came on earth as it is in heaven. See, there's power behind worship. You know, Pastor Christian and myself, we had the opportunity to go to Kentucky. And we went to a Benny Hinn conference. And I had my initial, you know, issues with Benny Hinn uh, before God had, you know, really revived me. And every time I would see him on TV, I mean, I just thought everything was an act. And so uh, God lovingly you know, brought me to the place where I am right now, and I believe that Benny Hinn is uh, a man that's being used by God in a mighty way. And so we went to this conference, and when it was time for the healing, because he's known as a healing worker, just like Andreas Bissoni, I don't know, in my mind, I had expected something different, I guess. Maybe for him to, like, you know, throw oil or, like, water, or, like, lay hands on everybody and all these things, but... It was really amazing what had happened. What he did was simply this. He just had everybody worship. And so the praise team that was there just sang. And that's it. They just worshipped. And in the middle of this, this act of worship, he begins to give word of knowledge. Somebody's being healed of arthritis right now. Somebody's being healed of cancer right now and he just begins to release words of knowledge and faith begins to get raised up but ultimately the only thing that he had done was usher in the presence of God through worship and so I was thinking to myself I mean how effective would this be and it wasn't until it was testimony time and there were lines and lines and lines and lines and lines of people waiting to share what God had healed them of you guys might not it may be hard to imagine, but it was weird for me too. But literally, more people, almost more people were standing than sitting. And everybody was eager and excited to share what God did. And so only maybe like 10 people were able to share, but it was amazing. 
And I thought to myself, wow, he made it so that there was absolutely no focus on him as a minister and that every single eye was set on God at that very moment. And I thought in that, that way, worship was so powerful. There's another woman who has this worship ministry. And basically what she does is she sings prophetically. She just sings songs of praise. Not written, not kind of like uh, the songs that we know. But she just freely sings and she plays the piano. And that's it. She just worships God. But she's known to have anointing that when she worships, deliverance happens. Now so we understand deliverance in kind of like the way that we've learned it, which I believe is also a beautiful and biblical way. But there's also a way that God delivers simply by ushering his presence. And she just sings. She just praises God. And they just worship in this tiny little room. And people are set free. And people are healed. And so for so many years, I have underestimated the power of worship and the power of praise. And I thought it was just what happens before the message. Or I thought it's just something that happens, you know, as a prelude, not really like the main event. But I think God is beginning to change my heart and opening my eyes to see that we are worshipers. And our identity in God is to be a worshiper. See, we are called to be an army of God. Amen? And when we worship God, we give authority to God. It's kind of like, you do it. I can't do it, you do it. And just like the prophet was saying, the battle is not yours but the Lord's. When we worship God, that's exactly what we're saying. The battle is not mine, it's yours, Lord. So I worship you, I fix my eyes on you, I put my faith in you, and I believe that you will take down all the strongholds. Amen? And so... Worshipping warrior. And the best example that I can think of is David. King David. He was a worshipping warrior. He got it. He understood it. He knew that he was called to fight. And he knew that he was called to be a mighty soldier for God. But he also knew that what was an eternal role, something that we would do forever and ever, was worship God. And so he never failed to build up that identity. To sum it up, brothers and sisters, the war will end. And Satan is going to get defeated. See, because Jesus Christ has already won the victory. And so our role as warrior is only for a certain time. But our role as worshiper is eternal. So when you think about heaven, if you look at the book of Revelations, all you see is worship. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And so let's practice what we're going to do for the rest of our being, and that is worship God. And may we be a mighty army that rises up against the enemy, but a worshiping army that never fails to look first and set our eyes on the one who really saves. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we just worship you. And Father, by worship, we honor you. And Father, we just stand in awe of you. 
And Lord, we proclaim in faith that you are a God that is almighty, a God that is mighty to save, a God that is sovereign, a God that is in control, a God that holds our lives in your hands, a God that gives us every single breath that we take, a God that raises the sun, a God that, Lord, is beyond what we can even think or imagine. And so, Father God, as you've been calling the church to rise up as a mighty army, ready to claim the land that's been lost for your name and for your glory, as you've been calling us to walk forward under the banner of your victory, claiming Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner, Father God, I pray that we would be an army and a warrior that is filled with joy and faith, Lord, a worshiping warrior, a warrior, Lord, Father God, that first looks to you and not to the circumstance, a warrior, Lord, Father God, that is filled with joy, Lord, as we break our alabaster jars of perfume at your feet. Father God, a warrior that understands, Lord, that the fight will end one day, but the worship to you will be one that is eternal. And so we pray, Father God, in this season where you're raising up this army, where you're building up this army, where you're training us, Father God, may we never, ever forget that we are to be a worshiping warrior, Lord. Father God, that we would never forget to put our eyes on you and put our faith in you and to be offensive to Satan by worshiping you. Father God, for what smells like stink to Satan is sweet, sweet, sweet fragrance to you. And so, Father God, we lift up worship today and we pray that you release not only a spirit of a warrior, but a spirit of a worshiper here in this place Father God, release the spirit of worship even right now as we pray. Open our hearts, God, that we will be a worshiper of spirit and in truth. A worshiper, Lord Father God, that worships in our closet alone with you. Father God, make us like David. Oh Lord, that we may sing a new song to you every day. Because you are so worthy and you are so amazing and you are so mighty that we cannot help but to be in awe of all that you are and so father we just thank you we thank you we thank you that this heart of worship is not phased by what we see but is anchored in who you are and so we love you and we worship you we praise your holy name, the name that is above all names. In your son's mighty and precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen.